0: Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth. Educating, empowering, and connecting Christians to stand on God's Word and Truth. A man who won't stand up for his own principles is not really a man at all. Get involved by emailing comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. You can't handle the truth! Now, here's the host of Stand Up For The Truth. Mike LeMay, unashamed
1: of the gospel and standing on the truth of God in the Bible. Mike LeMay and David Fiorazzo, we welcome you to another edition of Stand Up for the Truth. Hope you had a great weekend and hope you're ready to dig into God's Word and uh, look at a very, very important subject today, sharing the gospel, particularly in foreign lands. David, would you open us in prayer, please? Sure.
2: Father, thank you for giving us another day, and thank you for uh, just uh, giving us purpose and meaning in our lives, and it's because of you, Lord, and um, we seek to glorify you. That's the purpose you've given us, and I, I thank you for all that we have to look forward to, but I- in the meantime, one day at a time, Lord, this culture is getting darker, and our world is getting darker, but we know that you are moving. We know that you are uh, bringing people to you, to the knowledge of your son. There are converts across the country, in the world, in the underground church, and the persecuted church. And we lift up our brothers and sisters to you right now, those who are um, being threatened. Maybe they're being uh, arrested and uh, they've had they've missed family members, whatever the case may be. Lord, your church, your people, your persecuted church, we lift them up to you and pray that their strength would not fail you would encourage their hearts and uh, re- remind them that they are part of the overall body of Christ and that they have people praying for them around the world. And also for people in this country, Lord, who have no idea what persecution is, um, we pray, God, that you would stiffen our spines and get us back to the Word of God, that there would be a revival and a wake-up call in your church and the body of Christ here in America before it's too late. But in the meantime one day at a time lord that's all we have and we ask that we would trust you in all things in tragedy or in triumph and uh, we lift up this hour to you we thank you for a new day and a new week and a new month in jesus name amen amen thank you david sharing the gospel in foreign lands has always
1: been difficult but these days there are challenges that are making the task increasingly difficult and dangerous radical islam has been emboldened by ruthless leaders along with the media willfully silent on its actions. And even within missionary circles, there seems to be confusion on how best to share the gospel, making the task all the more difficult. Often we see the Bible being translated to a more seeker-friendly version for Muslims and other unbelievers, but by doing so are we negating the power of God's Word by putting a human slant on it. Elijah Abraham of Living Oasis Ministry regularly travels around the world sharing the gospel and equipping church leaders to equip their church members for the work of evangelism and discipleship. And he joins us this morning to talk about how some mission ministries and television evangelists are actually making the task more difficult. Elijah, welcome back to Stand Up
3: For The Truth. Good morning, Mike and Dave. I really appreciate you guys having me this morning.
1: Our pleasure, my friend. Elijah, you've been doing this a long time. You're a former Muslim. You're now a born-again believer. God has lit a fire in you to share the gospel and to make disciples. And you've been traveling around the world for a long time now. Is it getting more difficult to be a missionary in foreign lands?
3: Uh, It really depends on the region and the country, but uh, in general, I would say so. In the West especially like Western Europe and Canada uh, it is becoming more and more difficult because of secularism political correctness uh, and appeasement uh, to everybody except Christianity every other religion except Christianity Uh, and especially the appeasement to the Islamic advancement um, in uh, Western Europe and in Canada so that's really kind of uh, disheartening especially where these nations had, and they brag about uh, how open of a society and tolerant and democracy, but yet they definitely anti-Christian um, governments and societies in spite of what they say. But then you go look at uh, in Africa, it, again, it depends on the region. If when you look at North Africa, which is mainly predominantly Muslims, and anywhere from Egypt, Libya, Algeria, Morocco, Mauritania, and then you go to Um, uh, Nigeria Chad Mali uh, the persecution of the Christians uh, by the Muslim uh, population is really severe and uh, It's more than others. Nigeria reports right now just last year uh, About 3,700 Christians were slaughtered. Uh, I was in West Africa just next door to Nigeria uh, in Cameroon, I got back uh, just over a week ago where uh, a village, Christian village, uh, all the Christians were slaughtered. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe one or two individuals uh, was survived. So it's uh, it's really disheartening that we don't hear this in the news. Uh, then you go to um, uh, Iran, uh, Middle East. Uh, uh, right now, the Christians are really paying a dear price, and especially with. Um, Isis and Al-Qaeda and then you got to Iran with the Shia, uh, of course uh, uh, Ahmadinejad the previous uh, uh, President of uh, Iran made it illegal to be a Christian or Christianity is now has been outlawed in, in Iran But in spite of that uh, the Lord is blessing the church there And it's uh, the fastest growing church in the Muslim world But then you go to Southeast Asia like I have been a, a number of years uh, It's still open uh, it's uh, fairly um, uh, easy to move around, but again, uh, I, tr- I always trust my Christian uh, leaders in, um, in those countries who are my guide and, and tell me, okay, this region or this city, we need to be careful, but this region and this city, it's okay. So uh, it really depends uh, where we are. Of course, you know about communist China. Uh, they now cracking down on the Christians. India, now they have resurgence of Hinduism. Uh, Aided and embedded by the government where they want to reclaim India for Hinduism. So all of these Regions and all of what I just shared with you It's missing from the Christian community and Christian publication in the West, especially in America. So um, if, if it's missing and our leaders which is I truly believe is failure of our Christian leaders and pastors in America are not paying attention to the plight of the body of Christ globally, so at least give the opportunity and the chance for the body of Christ in America to pray for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in those countries, because they're ignorant of what's happening internationally.
2: And we have to remember to go to Open Doors, Voice of the Martyrs, and many others, to get good information, accurate information on what's really happening over there, because the environment has become more volatile for Christians in uh, other countries around the world. But So we talked a little bit about the challenges of sharing the gospel in uh, other countries. What about, you've mentioned a lot on this program, having to undo false gospels and bad theology or bad foundations when you go to some of these places and teach. Is there any end to that? Or I could imagine it's an ongoing task, and you probably could use a lot of help in doing just that, undoing false gospels.
3: Uh, absolutely. That's one of the major challenges and discouragement for our ministry and for me myself, as, as you know, personally, uh, because these believers, these brothers and sisters, desperately need some biblical teaching, biblical doctrine. And then when I do, pa- I, may- I mainly focus on pastors. I do pastor's training. So I'm trying to train the trainers. Hmm. But the trainers, the pastors have false uh, teaching or false doctrine that they have picked up uh, from definitely from the Western uh, theology or Western uh, bad uh, doctrines. But also they picked it up from their national um uh famous guys uh, who have a famous ministry evangelism ministry or quote-unquote prophecy ministry or healing ministry all of these things uh so they picked up a lot of bad uh teaching bad heresy they integrated it with their Nash former uh religions tribal religions animistic practices they blend all of that together um and uh, that's the challenge uh, so when I, whenever i go to these countries the first thing before i even teach about uh Biblical truths uh, or biblical doctrine or even about apologetics how to reach Muslims for Christ before I even talk about that I have to correct uh, all of these uh, heretical teachings and demolish those arguments not because what I know not because how uh, uh, Try for me to convince them. No, i opened the Bible. I said, okay, let's go through the Bible Here's what you've been uh, what you've learned. Here's what you've been teaching Here's what the Bible says about this topic or this topic. So I let the Word of God do the fighting for me. Now, it, it depends from one place to another, uh, but most of the time uh, that when pastors, they are confronted with the Word of God, they really start weeping and, and repent. And they say, we've been taught wrong. Uh, we have been doing ministry wrong. And uh, they ask for forgiveness of the Lord. And, and they, they change their ways. But on the other hand, in some other places, they think that I'm, in their country, insulting them, insulting their Christian uh, their Christian version, if you want to call that, or their national churches. And um, uh, I am teaching uh, bad theology, bad uh, doctrine, even though I have the, the Bible, they have their Bibles open. So it really depends where it's at. And a lot of that bad teaching, unfortunately, and I hate to say this, it's really exported from the West and mainly from the United States. Mm. Uh, And uh, that's—it's really—it's like a damage control when I get there, first to uh, correct all of uh, what they have learned, and uh, so for us to build them up and start a new foundation, biblical foundation, then we could start teaching, uh, you know, biblical truths. Uh, uh, it's it's really it's really discouraging. It's discouraging. But uh, most of the places that I have been in, at least they respond well. These pastors and they do say that we have been taught wrong. But of course, you got uh, a percentage that they say no. Uh, what we've been doing, God is blessing. I say, you know, I don't think God is blessing it. Uh, whoever is blessing it, definitely not God, because God is not going to contradict himself. Hmm.
1: Elijah, uh, one of the things we're seeing here in America is this uh, movement towards what's called Chrislam. You know, really, the the feeling is that Muslims and Christians actually do worship the same God, and it's just a matter of of interpretation. Do you find that to be an obstacle when you go to heavily Muslim nations?
3: Absolutely. Again, this is one of those... Uh, methodologies or uh, heretical theology that has been exported from the United States. And I keep saying the United States because really that's what I see it's coming from. Uh, unfortunately, this is a byproduct of the uh, seeker sensitive, emergent church mindset, uh, the political correctness of Christianity mindset uh, because uh, they come up they wanted to come up with a method so they would not offend the Muslims. So they would not make them upset. They want to convert at all costs, even at the cost of some biblical teaching biblical theology So as a result, they say, you know what Uh, the term father is uh, offensive to Muslims So we need to change that in the scripture and we should not talk about that when we witness to Muslims The term son of God is offensive to Muslims. So let's take that out of the scripture and it is offensive when we talked about uh, uh, Jesus so uh, oh, yeah, we worship the same God uh, because they believe Allah is the creator. So it's got to be the same uh, uh, Yahweh of the Bible So therefore let's talk about Allah mention Allah but never really make the distinction uh, when we witness the Muslims uh, We believe in the same Jesus. They believe Isa is the uh, Virgin uh, born of Virgin Mary so we could share the gospel with them from the Quran because it, it's got truth in the Quran so they give legitimacy into the Quran Uh, And lest we could share from the Quran about uh, the love of Isa and they could stay in the mosque uh, because uh, Because there's truth in the Quran and they believe in Isa and we worship the same God So they are part of the kingdom of God Uh, and we talked about that the kingdom circles that they've been teaching uh, the, The philosophy so they could stay a Muslim followers of Isa and you talk about heresy you talk about blasphemy Because they are equating the living Son of God with a fictitious character Muhammad invented in the 7th century So all of that uh, I have to really uh, uh, teach against whenever I go to these countries and these pastors who adopted such methodology And teach that Bible is exclusive The Holy Spirit inspired only one scripture and that's the Bible not the Quran not Buddhist scripture, not uh, Mormon scripture, or whatever sacred books available out there. There is only one word of God, and that's the Bible. Anything outside the Bible is not true. And I had to authenticate the Bible to fellow pastors in churches in these countries, uh, because they have entertained the idea that, uh, yeah, Allah and Yahweh are the same. Well, why is that? Because they have trusted it's just unfortunately uh, unfortunate they have trusted uh, missionaries coming from America and professors coming from America to teach them that this is the best way to reach Muslims for Christ. So these methodologies is called inside movement camel method or Jesus in the Quran seminars and all of that. It's all under the uh, go under the premise that we worship the same God, Jesus the same as Jesus of the Bible, the Quran. There is truth in the Quran. We could witness. Oh, by the way, for Muslim to leave Islam uh, and become to church, that they will be persecuted. So it's easy for them. It's much better for them uh, to stay in the mosque so they will not be persecuted. You know that's so anti-Bible because if you look at the New Testament, you see that Christians and God faithfulness uh, The number increasing the, the gospel uh, spreading around the world and we 2,000 years later are byproduct and fruit of the persecution But yet they are denying uh, Quote-unquote new believers or converts of Really being associated with Christ and his suffering and persecution. So Jesus told us they hated me first They will hate you, but they hated me first. They persecuted me first. What makes you think that we will escape persecution and suffering? Uh, and that's what uh, again is that teaching against uh, a biblical doctrine of suffering not just here in America but also internationally that has been exported overseas so it's really frustrating to see missionaries and professors who have quote unquote PhD in theology or missiology and they are producing a, an antichrist methods mm. that uh, it's harm in the church and undermining the gospel which Beg me to question, are these missionaries, again, I don't know them personally. Some of them I know only by their publication. Uh, and uh, I, I have to judge their fruit. I don't judge the hearts because that's not my job, that's God's. But the Lord and the scripture want us to judge people by their fruit. We will know them by their fruit. But if the fruit is rotten and stinks, that is undermining the scripture, undermining the gospel, undermining the church. My question is: Are they really truly born again? Are they of us in the first place, like John uh, questioned in his in the Scripture? So these are the things the church needs to hold these people accountable uh, about what they are promoting, what they are producing. But unfortunately, the church is ignorant of this in America. The church is aiding and abetting these. Methods, these missionaries, because of their ignorance, they're aiding and abetting that by funding such methodologies and funding such projects. So, when I go over the seas, I have to do that. To give an example, I was in Indonesia. I've been to Indonesia seven years in a row, from 2012 to 2018, possibly go again uh, next year or so. Uh, In 2014, I had a group of uh, about 150, 200 pastors. There were about 12 of them. They were arguing with me about the camel method. This is what we've been taught This is the best way and for me when I have confrontation like this. I just say okay open your Bible Let's see what God have to say. Let's see what God have to say and from the scripture They were they interrupted me at one point and stood up and they start crying and sobbing and they start repenting and they just ask God for forgiveness a year later, I see two of these rep- uh, of this um, 12 individuals representative in a different conference in a different city. And I recognize them and I ask them, how's it going? They say, well, since last year we repented, we start G- uh, preaching uh, Jesus Christ of the Bible, not Isa al We start using the Bible only, not the Quran. Mm. And we start seeing fruit. We In the last 12 months, we had 47 Muslims come to know Christ and we planted four churches. There is power behind the name of Jesus. Mm. So... It's a blessing to see that the Scripture uh, is still uh, does what it's promised to do, that is to, uh, to cut through the hearts and the bones of uh, the sinners, and the Holy Spirit uses the word which, because it is a sword of the Spirit, not the Quran. Amen. So we have to stand firm. We have to educate our churches here that what's happening, uh, it's really heretical. It's not uh, helpful to the Muslims because it still keeps them in darkness.
1: That blessed two-edged sword that is the Word of God. Elijah Abraham, Living Oasis Ministries, our guest this morning on Stand Up for the Truth on Q90FM. When we come back with Elijah, the serious challenges Muslim converts to the gospel face.
0: If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to Mike LeMay.
1: The landscape of foreign missionaries and the the difficult work they do is changing. It's not getting easier. Our guest this morning, Elijah Abraham of Living Oasis Ministries. Elijah, you're a former Muslim. Can you take us into the mindset of a young man or young woman, a, a Muslim young man or young woman who suddenly commits their life to jesus christ the difficult challenges they must face coming out of islam and professing faith in jesus can you share some of those challenges they face
3: well you have to understand in muslim culture uh, especially the family ties is different than really the western culture and family ties in the west so uh, they're very close-knit families even in, in dysfunctional family in a Muslim country, they still had loyalty to one another, the belonging, the tribal uh, sense. Uh, so that's the first thing that comes into a, a a seeker who wants to really accept the Lord or those who converted. That's the first thing that comes in, is that the uh, uh, this, the the family will disown that young person or that convert, whether it be young or old. And that's really, really difficult because all their life, they had a sense of belonging and unity, and now they are all alone, shunned by the family. That's number one. It's like number two is the, the culture, the, the relatives, the neighbors, the society. Also, uh, the alienation from that and the loneliness. Uh, that's if they just get away with their own skin. But at the same time, with all of that, in the mindset of the convert, is my family will kill me if not. The society the neighbors the relatives the, the associates will kill me because you need to understand the Apostasy law applies to any apostate meaning or any convert Meaning you don't have to be a relative to kill an apostate uh, If you're a Muslim any Muslim around the world if you come across an apostate uh, the, uh, a Muslim who left Islam is the duty of a Muslim that particular Muslim either to, uh, to uh, arrest him or beat him and uh, put him in, uh, call the police on him, or he could kill him and get away with it according to Sharia law. So that's another thing that is very heavily uh, weighed in the convert's heart and mind. The apostasy law being embedded in every Muslim the moment they are young, little kids. Uh, I remember that very well when I was a little boy. I mean, you do not leave Islam. You leave Islam, here are the consequences. So the fear of leaving Islam, being embedded and brainwashed in every Muslim the moment they were born, basically. Uh, the other thing is that uh, loss of a job or uh, economic hardship. Or if it's a person who's converted uh, and he's, uh, he's got a family uh, or she's got a family, if he's a father or mother, uh, the family, the wife, the spouse uh, or the husband. Um, And the children will shun uh, and kick out that uh, uh, Convert and that's another thing that it's really heavy on the mind uh, and the heart of a convert So there is a huge cost of following Christ definitely uh, at the uh, loss of life alongside with uh, Loneliness uh, shunned from the culture the family and so forth and economic hardship But it's a huge cost of following Christ, but you need to understand A lot of people ask me, how could a convert go through this? Uh, How could they tolerate this? But you need to understand, they um, they came out of darkness of Islam into the light of Christ. They understand who Jesus is, and they understand who they are in Christ. They understand their identity in Christ. And they understand that what Jesus did on the cross is so high price, such a high price, that what they go through here on earth they it is not really enough to or compared to what Christ did. So for them they say, you know what? I can tolerate this. What Jesus did for me, it's worth paying the price for it here on earth. But they also they understand what Matthew 10 uh, tells me, they might kill the body, but they cannot destroy the soul. So fear the one who can destroy both the body and the soul. So they understand that they might, lose their life here but they will gain eternity and that's really what a true convert is where he understands there is a cause of following Christ what we have in America we have a lot of false conversion easy believism Mm -hmm. even those who have genuine conversion they have been conditioned that there is no price no suffering uh, of following Christ and that's really uh, to the detriment of the believer in our churches Because sooner or later, suffering will come, persecution will come, and they are not prepared. They're not being taught theologically what the Scripture says about that subject.
2: I would love to uh, touch on the danger right here in America of the growing life enhancement gospel, like Jesus can enhance your life and make it better in a few minutes. But I want to get back to something you said about suffering. It reminded me of Romans 8.18. Paul writes, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And that's what you gave the idea of of this Muslim or Muslims that are converting. That's how they see it. They're losing family members. They're threatened by their own relatives and by their own people. But as it happened to the Apostle Paul, um, the disciples originally were a little hesitant to welcome him. I'm sure a Muslim convert goes through something similar when they are trying to be welcomed into the Christian community, don't they?
3: right absolutely and what Mm -hmm. it's what has been happening the christian community the existing church and let's talk about the middle eastern or the arab uh, culture uh they have not welcomed the uh the christians from muslim background with open arms because uh number of reasons one they don't trust them Mm -hmm. uh and and they say well you're just doing it you know to try to spy on us Mm -hmm. uh and two it's uh, self-preservation man don't come to my church you're going to bring persecution in our we've already been persecuted we don't need harassment just because mm. you left your islam and come to be a member of our church mm. so that's another double whammy wow. to the convert that he's now not just lost his own blood of flesh family but also uh god's family rejected him so that's that's really difficult thing i experienced this here in america uh, even though i got saved in america but I attended an Arab church while I was in seminary, and I experienced, not uh, the pastor, but there are some of the church members, they kind of they were really uneasy around me, and, and they kept calling me a Muslim, Muslim this, Muslim that, and I confronted them. I said, wait a minute, I'm a Christian, my identity in Christ, why are you calling me Muslim? Oh, well, you used to be Muslim. I said, I used to be, but you still calling me Muslim. And they just the way they talked to me, it's like really degrading. Uh, and praise God that God gave me a personality that I don't <laughs> lay down and, and take it. I just confronted them with the Scripture and showed them from Scripture. We there is no Jew or Gentile. We all one in Christ. I'm new creation in Christ. So uh, that that's when they you know they when they saw that and they saw my my dedication and my life uh, to the Lord and I'm serving the Lord. They came to me and apologized and repented. But that's that's what it is. That's what it's like, unfortunately. Hmm. So my my advice to a church that, uh, especially in America, that when they come across a, a new believer in Christ from Muslim background, you are new his family or her family. They have lost so much that in the Western mindset, we really cannot comprehend the loss that they have lost and the the price that they're paying. But they are still going through uh, that, and they still trust in the Lord. The least the church can do is to be that person's family and help them in any way. Not just some people say, "Well, I, you know, they only convert because they want money or uh, help." You know, some of them abuse that, but the majority of them really just they need, just need a family, need support, need encouragement, need prayer, uh, need the discipleship. They need to be trained. There is so much cobwebs satanic cobwebs in the converts mind because he accumulated that uh, From Islam for all their lives We need to help them with the Word of God to clean their mind and heal them from all of the unrighteousness all of the false teaching and satanic teaching of Islam so they could uh, uh, Be repl- could be replaced with the Word of God so they could be a new creation in Christ and that only comes through a true discipleship not surface not uh, the Western kumbaya kind of uh, discipleship that it really does not make a true disciple of Christ.
1: You know, <clears throat> excuse me, Elijah. As you're talking about that, I'm I'm thinking about church as a whole here in America. And while certainly the Muslim con- uh, convert uh, has so much they have to throw aside, even non-Muslim converts, new Christians, it's kind of the same way. And the church really needs to be a family. And what I see, sadly, in America, a church is more like, we gather for an hour and a half on Sunday, and then you're all off on your own. So can you speak a little bit about the crucial need for the true Christian church in America to really be a family there for one another, instead of just a place we gather for an hour and a half on Sunday?
3: Oh, my goodness, you're absolutely right. I think that's, again, we touched on this subject a number of times uh, uh, in your show, But again, it's a reflection of the American culture. And we're talking about American Christianity. And if you look at the American culture, it's all about individualism. It's all about entertainment. It's all about enterprise. It's all about uh, cooperation. Um, And it's uh, all about what's in it for me. Um, So we see that reflected in the typical American church or American Christianity. At the same time, because of the uh, enterprise and corporate world, uh, the church uh, cannot be successful unless it's a mega church or a huge or multiple services church So when you have such big churches like this uh, It's really difficult to get to know everybody uh, And you have a personal relationship with the you know the fellow believers in the church uh, That then the pastor becomes unreachable unapproachable uh, he will surround himself only by a close net or click that he only associate with and he only see the pastor from the pulpit. That's it uh, But the church family atmosphere is still there But not in the mega churches, but in smaller churches why because it's a small enough where everybody knows everyone uh, So that that culture the family atmosphere is still exists in American church but not in the medium to large churches, but in the small churches where Uh, which is the majority of churches in America, uh, average attendance or membership of 100. So uh, that's still there, uh, but in medium to large church that is missing. And unfortunately, that's what gets the attention of the media is the big churches and so forth. So um, I would say to have a church family uh, is really the small church. And second, um, uh, to have a family is really accountability to one another. Uh, even in small churches, sometimes accountability is missing. Uh, church discipline is missing. So that's where uh, the American culture even seeped into the smaller churches, as far as, yeah, we can be uh, family as long as we pray for one another, we, uh, we do fellowship, we have uh, potluck, uh, and yeah, we come alongside each other to help each other. But when it comes down to accountability, uh, church discipline, uh, and hold each other uh, of, You know iron sharpens iron and in righteousness that uh, uh, Don't you dare come and talk to me who made you to be the judge of me kind of thing So it's it's really uh, difficult to see that now internationally what I when I travel to these countries, especially the persecuted churches Man, it's amazing um, uh, the really, the, what also the another element that it's in the West that it has uh, corrupted the family atmosphere is, is materialism And secularism, that kind of slowly but surely coming in. Over there, overseas, majority of them are poor, uh, even if they are uh, uh, well enough or medium uh, income and so forth. But materialism is really not uh, the center of the church. Uh, So it's really because they live in an hostile country, hostile society. They have nobody but each other. And so you can sense that close net of a family, which is the family of God, really visible, Uh, and that's such a blessing. Now, does that mean it's absent from American American churches? No, Uh, like I said, uh, I see that in smaller churches, and I'm always blessed when I go to these churches, smaller churches, because you could tell that these people really love one another. You could tell that the pastor is not just a preacher CEO, but he's really true shepherd shepherd and uh, God's flock and that's really always a blessing for me to experience in American churches when God opened these opportunities for me
2: these are some pretty big and ongoing problems Elijah that you just articulated Um, individualism materialism uh, mega churches not conducive to true intimacy and fellowship and also um, maybe the problems that we don't have true community one might be people in America tend to look for what they want. They change churches, church hopping, in a way. So these are a lot of different problems that would lead us away from true intimacy and fellowship and community. Can you give us a couple solutions that that you might be able to uh, just share with our listeners? Well,
3: um, mega churches are here, unfortunately. Uh, medium sub churches. What I mean medium size, anywhere between 500 to about 2,000. That's medium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you got some mega churches where they average 13 to 25,000, 30,000 membership, which is if not if I, as far as I'm concerned. That's way too big. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> the preacher is not just the God's gift to mankind. Uh, he, they need to break it up and plant churches wherever these people live. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm, I'm an old fashioned kind of uh, guy and uh, preacher, teacher and missionary. But having said that, even if you are part of such uh, churches, um, your Sunday school class or your small group is your family. Let's put it this way: your intimate family. Uh, so that means I think what really to guard oneself from that detachment from a family, that little unit, the, the house, ch- the house church, or the small group, or what I mean, house church, the small group from a, a mega church, or the Sunday school class, uh, really need to keep. Uh, in touch with one another throughout the week. Hmm. Don't just leave it only on Sunday morning Or maybe Sunday night or on some occasions throughout the week keep in touch with each other minister to another throughout the week Because that's what the families do when, I, when I'm here in my with my family I don't just say okay. I'll see you on Saturday when we <laughs> hang out and we don't even talk to each other throughout the week uh, That's what family does and I think that's the 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 that human touch, that the fellowship throughout the week because we all need it throughout the week because we are facing the devil out there in the marketplace throughout the week. So we need to encourage one another, mm-hmm. whether it be a phone call or a visit or uh, get together for a cup of coffee on uh, in an individual basis, one-on-one with someone. It doesn't have to be the whole group get together throughout the week. So uh, that uh, fellowship and network within uh, that small group Uh, Or the Sunday school. I think that's what really keeps the family of God within that big mega church Alive and survive now do some of these uh, Sunday school classes or small groups do it? Yes, but not really on uh, as popular or on regular basis Um, and that's uh, that's I think that's really what kind of what um, a mechanism to protect uh, that uh, uh, family Atmosphere within the American church again, like I said in a smaller church uh, small churches a hundred members or less um, That already in, in play but also in danger of losing that human touch that personal touch throughout the week so we need to keep guard on, against Uh, isolationism and and be isolated, and I'll I'll just go to, I'll see my brothers and sisters in Christ on Sunday, and the rest of the week you are on your own, and really it's kind of difficult to be on your own when the enemy is attacking you throughout the week.
1: And he loves it when we isolate ourselves and think we don't need fellowship. Elijah Abraham, Living Oasis Ministries, our guest this morning on Stand Up for the Truth on Q90FM. When we come back with Elijah, the challenges of spreading the gospel here in America.
0: If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to Mike LeMay.
1: Our final segment of today's show with Elijah Abraham of Living Oasis Ministries. He travels around the world and throughout the U.S., uh, really equipping churches to make new converts to the gospel and to grow in discipleship. Elijah, we've talked a lot about the challenges of foreign missions work. But there's a lot of challenges here in America. What do you see as some of the wrong teachings or attitudes in the American church that are really preventing us from bringing more people into the peace and, and uh, grace of the gospel?
3: Well, first and foremost, there is still huge ignorance of the Scripture. We have a lot of church members. Let's look at the church members who are truly born-again believers, because i got to define what kind of church members we have. Not everybody who's a member of a church is really born again. From my experience, and I'm sure your experience, too, you have experienced that, too. So let's talk about the born-again believers. The born-again believers, uh, most of them are biblically illiterates. They are not taught the Bible well. They're not taught taught theology or doctrine or systematic theology. uh, uh, And they're not taught how to defend their faith. Uh, And that's really a huge indictment into the leadership of these churches. Uh, so th- then it comes down to, okay, how does the pastor sees himself? Uh, what is his role in that t- church? Is it just uh, preparing a sermon Sunday morning and le- uh, you know, and that's it? He might do some teaching here and there, but he's really not making uh, discipleship as a priority of the church, which is, it is a priority. I mean, if you look at the Great Commission, go, you therefore make disciples. It did not say make converts because the converts is God's business. Uh, but our job is making disciples and teach them all things that he ha- uh, the Lord commanded us. And I think because of lack of discipleship, we have the danger of what's going on in American churches. We have a lot of baby Christians. And if you look at Corinthians, Paul complained about this. He said, Look, my desire to give you meat, but you're still on milk, you cannot handle the meat. You need to grow up, and I think that's what we have. We have a lot of Christians who are born again believers in our churches, who uh, are on milk, satisfied with milk only, and the pastors, those of of these churches, are satisfied in giving just the milk, and, and that's I think the greatest danger because. The time will come where apostasy will come, where you'll have false teachers enter these churches. And because of lack of uh, understanding of the Scripture, that means lack of discernment. And uh, these people, these uh, churches will be easily deceived by these false teachers, false prophets. Uh, So that's a dangerous thing, which is, again, it's one of Satan's tools. Satan said, so, okay, if you convert to, to Christ and the Lord, you'll be part of church, uh, God's family. He cannot take you to hell. You're secure in Christ. But he sure wants you to stay baby Christian, immature Christian, ineffective Christian, uh, because he does not want you to do the work of God and uh, to evangelize the lost, because the lost uh, belongs to Satan. And that's what he, Satan's trying to do. Um, so, one, uh, they will be easily deceived. That's a danger. Second, uh, when the time comes, and you uh, have covered uh, these issues in your program so many times about how the culture in America, forget about Europe, forget about Canada, but here in America, is becoming more and more hostile to the gospel, hostile to Christ, hostile to God's family. Uh, And uh, sooner or later, the government, uh, and we've seen a lot of uh, people running for office right now, who are anti-Christian, anti-Bible, anti-morality, uh, sooner or later when they, become in, they come uh, into power and the Congress will shift into that, what makes you think that um, this society who's hostile to the Gospel and Christianity will be aided and abetted by the government itself, meaning the Constitution will be irrelevant? So when that happens, And because we have baby Christians, they are ill-prepared to deal with this. So the doctrine of suffering and persecution, which is all over the scripture, uh, is not being taught uh, by the pastors and church leaders and Sunday school teachers. And shame on them for not teaching that. uh, Because it is in the Bible, and we need to teach the full counsel of God's word from Genesis to Revelation. So um, that's what I see. Uh, It's uh, these are the two elements. Uh, Because of lack of understanding and biblical knowledge, uh, a lot of people will be easily deceived. And second, they're not prepared for the uh, suffering and trials and persecution that is to come. Uh, Again, suffering is not just suffering for your faith, but suffering uh, anywhere from uh, uh, health problems to dying and cancer, or being fired from a job, or being harassed in your job. All of that is because we belong to christ so we need to we need to really understand uh what suffering is and and persecution so these are the two major ones because uh when i talked about deception uh, turn on the tv and look at the televangelists what they're selling uh look at some of the people who go to these churches and and cause a split in the church why there is a split in the church because the majority of the church members are biblically illiterate and could and did not stop such um, uh, individuals who caused this split and there is no accountability there is no church discipline so therefore the church splits so uh, that's what I see
2: and silent Christians have also been a big problem but if you don't know the gospel or don't know how to explain it or defend the faith it it's just logical that you would not speak up about something you don't fully understand and as you said before discipleship is really lacking and a lot of us are just trying to make up for lost time, because in our early years in our faith, maybe we didn't take the gospel and Christ and s- right. Bible study as seriously. But I want to ask you how pastors can um, or can respond to this. California lawmakers just recently passed a measure pushing pastors to embrace LGBTQ ideology. The California State Assembly passed a resolution telling pastors to affirm homosexuality, which is a violation of their biblical beliefs. Where do you see this going? And as far as we have brothers and sisters in California that are at some good, strong biblical churches out there, um, of course right. they're they're going against the stream. So uh, what what do you see happening with this now?
3: Well, uh, I just actually yesterday I flew back from California. I spoke at a prophecy conference in Palm Springs, and one of the speakers was Jack Hibbs uh, mm. from uh, yeah. Calvary Chapel, Chino, California. And he and I really had a really good visit, and I really appreciate it. I and mean, I told him I appreciated him because he's one of the few pastors really outspoken uh, you know, against what the government is doing, trying to force pastors to adopt some of these ungodly laws or um, uh, policies. And what he told me, uh, he said, uh, "This is the time where we don't obey mm. uh, the the policies uh, passed in Sacramento." He said, "Now uh, we have uh, this is a time where pastors need to make up their mind: who do they belong to, who do they serve, uh, what kind of gospel are they preaching?" Uh, he said, "Now we are start seeing more and more pastors are uh, awakened, and they are standing against such policies right now." To give an example, you remember. He was telling me this, um, the lawsuit that was against Hobby Lobby and Hobby Lobby went all the way to the Supreme Court and won. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Sacramento and California, they said, "Okay, yeah, uh, the Supreme Court uh, did this. But we and he said, I, as a pastor, received a letter and signed by the governor, the lieutenant governor and attorney general. This is what they told him. Of course, he paraphrased it for me. He said, yeah, that's what the Supreme Court did. But we, uh, as a uh, as, as a state, we think that the S- uh, Supreme Court was wrong, so therefore we're not going to abide by what they say. Huh. Okay. Wow. So this is, I mean, Californian uh, uh, state uh, policymakers are really going out of their mind, and they're, they're just making things difficult, not just for passes, for you know uh, taxpayers. Uh, so because they're coming up with some really ridiculous policies, so. Uh, to, back to your question, I think the, the what's happening in California with the pastors, they are forced um, to make a decision, which is, in a way, is a good thing, mm. because for so long they've been silent. They're not engaged in the culture or politics, which is really, one, unbiblical. Two, it's unconstitutional. Uh, and uh, by the way, uh, Trump, uh, one of the first acts that he did, he said he will not enforce the uh, uh johnson amendment the 501 c3 um but yet a majority of pastors don't know that they don't know the constitutional rights as a pastor of a church a local church what does it mean to have a church uh, in america so uh, because of that ignorance as well they are uh, being silent and adherent to ungodly laws that uh, hinder the gospel and wants uh, to have the church to perform um, acts uh, like homosexual marriage and other things, that it's unbiblical. Mm-hmm. So um, we need to pray for these godly pastors in California mm-hmm. that God will continue to do uh, to use them. And Jack Hibbs told me, he said, we filed a lawsuit kind uh, of acting what uh, that letter said. And he said, to this day, the lawsuit's still up and running. Um, so, yes, uh, they the, uh, the government over there in California trying to force the church... Um, to uh, accept the homosexual agenda, even though they say, well, uh, it's a human rights, it's a, uh, civil rights. Uh, but this is not a right. This is enforcement of an, uh, an ideology and a practices on somebody, even if they disagree with that. So when they say tolerance, it's really one way. They want the church to tolerate such ungodly, sinful behavior but they don't want uh, the homosexual uh, crowd to at least respect uh, our beliefs and our uh, objection to their lifestyle. But we're not going out there forcing them to become Christians. We're not going out there telling them, stop doing what you're doing. Uh, that's the, in their privacy of their uh, room. We will preach about it. We will talk about it. We will expose it as sin. But we're not here to force anyth- anybody to do anything. It's, that's between them and the Holy Spirit. So, uh, yeah, we need to pray for these uh, godly men in, in California.
1: Amen. We do indeed. And if you think, well, that's California. That's <laughs> the only nutty things happen there. Uh, the same thing was tried to ram down our throat here two years ago in Little De Pere, Wisconsin. Mm. where churches I remember that. And radio ministries had to uh, uh, sign on to the LGBTQ movement. Elijah, I've got about a minute left. How can we pray for you, your lovely bride, and your children?
3: well uh i appreciate you asking that question yeah prayer for health for me and my family we have been under attack spiritually uh spiritual attack really the last couple of months three months um and every time i travel uh whether it be overseas or even here domestically satan attack while i'm not home uh whether it be an, on one of my kids or my wife or the house or one of the cars break down and that kind of thing that's kind of harassment from the enemy and to me it's really not discouragement It's really gets me even more excited that i am doing what god called me to do but a prayer of the saints uh, to our ministry and our family is really um, very much needed uh, also pray for our ministry for god to continue to open doors here domestically that god will open doors uh, to churches so pastors and church members will be equipped Uh, to fight the good fight uh, with the gospel and reach Muslims for Christ and others for Christ. And And pray for my travel when I travel internationally as well.
1: Amen. Also consider, if you're listening across the nation, consider having Elijah in to talk uh, at your church. And also please consider financially supporting him. And we'll put links on the podcast on how you can do that. Bless you, my brother. Uh, Keep up the good fight. And I hope to see you real soon.
3: I appreciate it. Thank you, Mark and uh, Dave. Uh, you guys are a blessing to me. Thank you well, so much. Thank
1: you, as you are to us. Elijah Abraham, Living Oasis Ministries. When we come back, we wrap up today's show and talk about tomorrow.
0: We're getting ready to wrap up today's show. Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com donate. Now, here's Mike LeMay. Why are
1: we as Christians not walking in the peace, love, and joy that Jesus Christ promised us as his disciples? Dave Wager of Silver Birch Ranch joins us tomorrow. We're going to look at this. Uh, We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and uh, the first epistle of John. And really, we should be walking in joy, peace, contentment. Uh, The heavy lifting was done at the cross, our sins were forgiven. We've been promised eternal life with God. We are no longer subject to his wrath against sin. Life should be wonderful. doesn't mean there's not going to be challenges, but life should be a daily experience of joy, peace, and love, but it doesn't seem to be that way too often in our lives. So Dave Wager joins Crash Night tomorrow. Uh, we'll look at First Peter chapter 1, 1 John, and we're going to talk about how do we, by the power of God's Spirit and Word, acquire that place of peace, and joy, no matter what the world throws at us, Uh, the contentment of knowing that the one who died for our sins also died, that we might have life and have it abundantly, not the way the world teaches, but the way the Bible teaches. So Dave Wager of Nicolay Bible Institute and Silver Birch Ranch joins Crash Night Tomorrow. Again, how do we walk in the joy, peace, and love that Jesus promised us? For David Fiorazzo, Mike LeMay, standing up for the truth. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you again in 23 hours. Be bold, strong, and unashamed of the gospel because the Lord your God is always with you.